This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to be at this morning. We're continuing our series entitled Magnify Jesus. But if we can create a sub-series, uh, we're going to do that called Reach. Uh, the month of March at Who We Call It is always Reach Month, and we'll talk about what that means uh, in just a moment. Mark chapter 2 is where we'll find ourselves uh, this morning. If you missed any of the message so far in our uh, series entitled Magnify Jesus, you can always get caught up on our website at whoecallit.org or subscribe to our podcast. Uh, download uh, our podcast via iTunes, whatever way you do that. We also have a smartphone app for your phone and your tablet. Uh, that's actually going to be refreshed in a couple weeks. I'm super pumped about that as well. Uh, but a lot of different ways you can stay caught up on the messages. Be sure to do that. Also, if you're not in the habit of coming on Sunday nights, I would encourage you to start tonight. Uh, we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Not going verse by verse, but kind of hitting the high points as we go through the book of Ecclesiastes. These are some truths that I know for a fact will help you. Tonight, we're taking a look at the value of a solid rebuke. Uh, and so we're talking about what uh, it means to, to receive a rebuke. And man, uh, the Bible has so much wisdom on that. I encourage you to be here tonight at five o'clock. Totally different message than what you're getting ready to hear this morning. But t- this morning, we find ourselves in Mark chapter two. We're gonna start in verse number 13. He went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus. This is uh, actually a man by the name of Matthew who would write the gospel according to Matthew. Sitting at the receipt of custom, he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. When the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole hath no need for a physician, but they that are sick, and I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners unto repentance." I remember Angela and I were kind of young in our faith, uh, newly married. Uh, we had gotten plugged into a good Bible preaching church and we were beginning to grow in our faith. And um, I was probably 24 years old or so at the time. Uh, and uh, I was young at the time. I'm still very young, uh, just to let you know that in case you were wondering. Uh, but I was considerably younger uh, at that time. And the pastor asked us, he said, hey, uh, on Thursday night, could you stop by and see this couple at their home? They're, they'll be expecting you to stop by. I said, yeah, sure. I said, what's the, what's the reason for the visit? And he says, this couple is not saved, and I think that they're ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, and I want you to go and talk to them about it. I thought, wow, that's exciting. I've never done that before. And he goes, you'll be fine. You'll do great. And I said, okay, that's good. Received this much training, uh, none whatsoever, but sent out uh, to go talk to these people about their faith and their eternal destiny. 
knock on the door. They invite us in. We sit down. They have kids that are about the same age as our kids at the time. We talk about kids for a little while and ask them what kind of work that he does. And he's an airline pilot. And so uh, we talked about flying for a little bit. How'd you get into flying? What's your favorite type of plane to fly? And uh, how's it different to fly commercial than it is to just fly for fun and uh, things along those lines. We talked about that. He was in the uh, army for a bit. And we talked about where he was stationed at and uh, what type of missions that he flew when he was in the army and things along those lines. And his wife was a photographer. We began to ask, you know, questions about photography what type of camera that she had, what type of lenses she likes to shoot with, and if you like to take pictures, what's the thing you like to take pictures of the most? Uh, we talked about that for a little while. <sighs> then we talked about where they grew up, and we talked about what kind of sports they played, and, uh, uh, you know, and things along those lines. We asked them if they had a church background. They said, no, not really. And we said, oh, well, I'm glad you found our church. It's a pretty good church. And uh, we talked about that for a little bit and looked down at my watch. We've been there for almost three hours, and we have never even remotely gotten close to talking about spiritual things at all. And um, she said, man, you know, it's getting kind of late. We've got to get our kids to bed. I go, yeah, we do too. Thanks, you guys, for your time. Uh, and we got in the car and left. And like we're driving back home and Angela goes, I don't think we did it right. I go, yeah, we didn't. We totally did not do it right. And uh, man, I was, I was just, I got, got there and I froze up. I was terrified. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to start the conversation. Uh, I didn't know what to tell them if I got the conversation started. And I uh, went back and I told her pastor, hey, I, I think I totally 100% blew it. Uh, and he said, oh, no problem. You know, that, that's fine. You, at least you made a good friendship with him, made a good connection with him. That was good. And then um, that Sunday, uh, they, they'd come to church and uh, they, they came to the pastor at the end of the service and said, we need to be saved. Uh, and he says, great, I've got just the right person. And he says, Anthony, could you take them back? They need to be saved. <laughs> got it. Okay, got it. I think I can do this. And so uh, we went in the Sunday school classroom and opened up the Bible and went through some verses uh, from the Bible. And man, they were eager, they were ready, they could not wait. And for the first time in my life, uh, at that moment, I had the opportunity to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. And Mark and Susie Hansen got saved that day. It was an awesome, awesome thing. To make matters even more awesome, uh, Mark and Susie are still married, they're still in church, they got their kids in church. Uh, and about four years ago, they came and sat on a Sunday morning service on the front road, who we call about a church. And man, it was just the coolest thing in the world. First people I'd ever led to Christ in my entire life. And let me just tell you, I was terrified. I thought I was gonna blow it. I thought I was gonna mess it up. But you know what I realized is I'm mature in my Christian walk. It's not up to me to save people. It's up to the Holy Spirit to save people. I couldn't save anyone if I wanted to. Jesus saves. I get the opportunity to present the truth to people. And then people get to make their own decision based on the truth that gets presented to them. And so I'm gonna encourage you this month to be a giver of truth. Reach month at Hui Kala Baptist Church, the idea behind it is spending time with someone for the explicit purpose of sharing the gospel with them. I'm talking about grabbing lunch with somebody, grabbing coffee with someone, inviting someone over to your home, uh, man, uh, taking a lunch break at work to go grab lunch together and talk about the gospel. And you might say, uh, I'm not ready to do that yet. Great, we're gonna give you all the tools that you need to make that happen. Every single Christian should know how to share the gospel. And, and if you don't, I'm gonna help you with that throughout this month and give you some tools and resources to help you to share your faith with someone else. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, someone told you how to be saved and now it's your opportunity to tell someone else how to be saved. One author said it this way, every Christian 
on this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person on this side of hell. And I like that idea that we owe the gospel message to people. People need to hear how they can be saved. So some tools that we have we're gonna put in your hands uh, this month. Uh, coming in on uh, Tuesday afternoon, we try to get them here, but you know how shipping to Hawaii goes. Uh, our Easter invitations will be in on Tuesday uh, this week. They're super cool looking too. Uh, really uh, beautiful and colorful. We, we put a lot of effort into making attractive gospel materials for you to be able to hand out. Uh, in my lifetime, I've seen people with some very, very terrible looking uh, gospel tracts. And so we try to make them at least attractive uh, so that you don't feel awkward handing them out to people. Uh, on the back of these invitations is the gospel. And if you just took one of these invitations and flipped it over in the back and read someone what it says, that would be enough to get someone the gospel. You could say to someone, hey, take this and read what's on the back. It's the most important thing you'll ever read in your entire life and that would be getting the gospel to them your invitation cards that you have inside your bulletin every week you get those every week and they're not for you they're for you to pass out throughout the week so you have a little card on there that says Jesus the hope that you're looking for uh, that's an invitation to church that you're supposed to pass out to someone every single week grab your card that you have in your bulletin grab it if you would If you didn't get a bulletin this morning, steal your neighbor's card and act like they didn't get one. Don't do that. That would be bad. Grab your card. Hold it up when you got it. Hold it up in the air. What you hold in your hands, what you're holding up in the air, keep it, keep it up. I see some of you putting it down. I didn't say put it down yet. What you hold in your hands has the opportunity to change someone's eternity. Eternity's forever. Okay, you can put it down now. On the back of that invitation, it's more than just an invitation, it's power there. It's the gospel on the back. Five verses from the Bible, how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. Uh, this is the most powerful thing that you could ever hold in your hands. You're saying, you're just being dramatic. I'm not. The Bible says, Romans chapter one, verse number 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. That's the gospel. The, the word gospel means good news. And we have good news to share this month. And so don't wait around until we get our Easter invites. Take an invite and pass it to someone this week as well. We also have a book on the back table that's back there every single week called Paid in Full. Uh, Paid in Full is a little bit more detailed uh, explanation of the gospel, a little bit more detailed than what the, you have on the back of your, your track that you have there. It's a really short book that someone can read in a short period of time. You could read it in one sitting. And the idea behind Paid in Full is this, hey, I don't know if you're a reader or not, but I'd like to give you this book. It talks about how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. If you do me a favor and read that, I think it has the opportunity to change your life. I know it changed my life for sure. And I always tell people who say, well, I'm not really a reader. I try to make it funny and I say, it's a really small book with really big letters and you could probably read it in a short period of time. I apologize, there are no pictures in here, uh, but I do believe if you take the time to read this, it would change your life. And if you have any questions, I'm actually going to write my phone number on the front uh, of this. And if you have any questions, I want you to call me or text me when you come across any questions because I'd love to answer those questions for you. And if you gave this to someone and they read it, it could change their life. It will definitely change their eternity. And it's something as simple as just like, hey, I want to give this to you. Uh, this is available to you at no cost. We don't charge for these books because it is the most important thing in the world the gospel. 
And so this is just another way to get the gospel out. Uh, if you would take one of these this week and give it to someone and ask them to read it, no cost to you. Now, if you just want to take these and stick it in a glove box of your car or grab four or five and throw it on your bookshelf at home, uh, the, the cost of these is $5 a piece. But if you're willing to take this and invest it in the life of another person, these are available to you at no cost. They're on the back table. Grab one. Uh, we're, we have a shipment coming in this week, and so we'll have a lot more next week, but we have a, a stack of about 40 or so on the back table right now. Uh, grab one of these. And here's the thing. We always have these available on the back table, and they're always free if you'll take it and put it in someone else's life. Another resource that we have that's going to help you a ton is our Sharing Jesus class. It's coming up on March the 14th. We're gonna meet here at nine o'clock. We'll have lunch that day and then we'll uh, have some afternoon sessions as well. But we're basically gonna take, go through six different lessons on how to share your faith. What do you do when somebody has questions? What do you do when someone's not ready to accept Jesus Christ as Savior? Uh, what do you do when you come across questions you don't know the answer to? How can you use questions to better share your faith with someone else? And we're gonna give you some tools and resources. We're gonna give you a little New Testament Bible that you can highlight the verses in that you would use to share the gospel with somebody. We're just trying to put tools in your toolbox to help you to share your faith with somebody. But I want you to think, I want you to think about one person that you could share your faith with in reach month, just one. Uh, I'm not asking you to go out and and find 10 friends and and get lunch with them. I'm not asking you to get a group of people together and have a Bible study. I'm asking you to to grab lunch, coffee, invite someone into your home, one person uh, for the month of March that you would have the opportunity to share your faith with. And here's the great part about the power of the gospel. Even if you completely and totally blow it, like I did with Mark and Susie on my first attempt, at the end of the day, God does the work. It's just up up to us to just deliver the package. God does what he does from that point forward. Uh, We're just the paper boy that's throwing the, the, the paper on the front porch. Whether they read it, whether they accept it, whether they believe it, it's totally between them and God. It's just up to us to be good messengers. And so I wanna challenge you to do that the month of March. Reach month is driven by the Great Commission. The Great Commission is Jesus's final commandments that he gave to the church before he left and went back to heaven. The Great Commission is found in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Five different times we see the Great Commission repeated, and the Great Commission has four primary components. The first of those is go. Matthew chapter 28, go ye therefore. We're supposed to go and tell people about Jesus. Secondly, we're to win people to Jesus Christ. See people accept Jesus Christ as Savior. After that, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. And then we get to teach them all things whatsoever he has commanded us. And lo, he is with us always, even to the end of the world. Amen, Jesus says. Go, win, baptize, teach. That's the Great Commission. And Reach Month is about going. Every Saturday of the entire world, we meet at 9.30, we go out into our community, we pass out invitations, we talk to people about Jesus, we try to share truth with people, we invite folks to church every single Saturday at 9.30. But Saturday at 9.30 is not the only time we go. We wanna go every day throughout the week. Our family went to uh, dinner yesterday afternoon and we had uh, lunch at a restaurant. And at the end of the, the, the meal, I left a good tip for the waitress and I left a gospel track on top. If you wanna see what your tip is, you gotta go through this gospel track first, Right? And I put it there, why? Because it's just my opportunity to go. I try to leave gospel tracks when I, with folks when I go to the bank, uh, when I'm in line at Starbucks, when I uh, check out at Long's. And again, I try to tell people, hey, I know you're busy right now, but when you get a second, if you could read this, it'll change your life. I just wanna be faithful with going 
and God will take care of the rest of it. And then we win people to Christ. Again, at the end of the day, I couldn't win anybody to Christ of my own power if I wanted to, but I trust in the power of the Holy Spirit that if I uh, share truth with people, that they'll have the opportunity to put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. That's a big deal. Once we see people one to Christ, we bring them into our faith family and we see them baptized. Baptism is a picture of a commitment that they've made to Jesus Christ. Baptism is saying to, to everyone who would watch, I follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in every area of my life from this day forward. And they do that by committing to baptism. We'll be having a baptism ceremony, uh, baptism service three weeks from today, March 22nd, put on your calendar if you're interested in being baptized. Uh, and so this is your opportunity to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I don't care who knows it. And then the last part of that is we're to teach people everything that Jesus has taught us. And so, you know, as we gather together on Sunday mornings, we gather together on Sunday nights, we gather together on Wednesday nights for our small group, uh, connect group times, on Tuesday night when we get together in Connie Ohe, you know what we're doing? We're teaching people all the things that Jesus has commanded. Why? Because this is the mission of the church, the Great Commission. We don't get to choose another mission. We don't get to say, well, I don't really like that whole evangelism thing. I think I'd like to try another mission instead. Many churches have done that. Uh, many churches are uh, against ending uh, human trafficking or against uh, ending abortion and against uh, racism. And that's the mission of their church. Now, all those are worthy aspects that we as the church should be fully engaged in. Uh, we should not allow uh, injustice to take place, but please understand the job of the church is not to bring justice. The job of the church is to bring hope in Jesus Christ. And if people know Jesus, Jesus takes care of all the injustices that the world has. So to say that the gospel is the answer to everything is not overly simplistic. It's the big deal. Uh, the gospel is not the icing on the cake. The uh, gospel is the cake. It's, it's as big as it gets. And that's why when you come to Huikala, every single week of the world, you're gonna hear us talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the sins of mankind because it's everything to us. And Reach Month is about taking the message of the gospel and getting it out. And we see a perfect example of somebody who did that in scripture and his name was Jesus. They might say, well, I don't really know what the gospel is. Good, we're gonna talk about it every single week until Jesus comes, so just keep coming back. Hopefully you've picked up on just about every single week we talk about uh, sin has a price that must be paid. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. And if you would put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, he will save you from your sin and the penalty of your sin today. Hopefully you get used to that. And I want you to become familiar with that because it's not, if you say, well, I've already accepted Christ as my Savior, good, then that message is for you to take to someone else. Get really familiar with it. One author broke the gospel down in, in four different aspects, which I really like a lot. He says, the gospel is God. God is holy. God is perfect. God is just. God is without sin. God is the creator of all things. You and I draw a breath today because God allows it. God is sovereign. God is king. God is the boss. He's holy. He's perfect. He's without sin. And no one can come into his presence with sin because he can't be anywhere near it. But man, on the other hand, man is sinful. Man is not holy. Man is corrupt. 
You see, our society says that deep down inside of every person is a, is a, a beautiful and unique person, that we just need to tear away all the nasty stuff and get to the heart of who you really are, and then we'll see the beautiful you. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that your heart is disgusting. It's wicked. And that the deeper that we go and the more layers that we peel off, the more nasty it gets, the more infected it is, the more repugnant it is, And the deeper that we dig, we don't see this beautiful creature waiting to come out like a butterfly. We see oozing, nasty, pus-filled wounds. Because we are, according to the Bible, rotten to the core. The Apostle Paul said this, I know in me, that's in my flesh, dwell no good thing. There's nothing good about me at all in my flesh. And that presents a problem because we've sinned and our hearts are wicked. The Bible says that our hearts are darkened. And because of that, when we try to come to God on our own power, God says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, no. God gives us this stiff arm and pushes us away because God can't be remotely close to anything that has to do with sin. But here's the, the, the dichotomy. While God pushes you away, God loves you dearly. Despite the fact that you have rebelled against God and you have, at times in your life, hated God, there are times in your life where you have completely and totally gone against everything that God wanted for you. God has to keep you away because he's holy, but he loves you at the same time. And so God devised a way for you to be able to come to him, not with your sin, but with your sin removed, forgiven. And oftentimes people think, well, I just need to be a better person. I need to do more good stuff. Or maybe I could be religious. Or hey, maybe I could get baptized in a few weeks and that would wash away my sins. Friend, there's not enough religious works in the world you could do to wash away your sins. You can never be good enough to wash away your sins because at the core of who you are is still a sinner at the core. So God sent his son, Jesus. God, man, Jesus. Romans chapter five, verse number eight is a beautiful verse, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died in my place. I was supposed to die, but Jesus died for me. I was supposed to pay for my own sins, but Jesus paid the price. He went to the cross. He suffered. He bled and died for my sins to pay for it, for your sins to pay for it so that we can be forgiven. But the blood of Jesus Christ does not automatically cover the sins of everyone in the world. I wish it did. There has to be a response. God, man, Jesus response. What will you do with Jesus? You can either accept the payment that he's made for your sins and say, I need forgiveness of my sins and I'm asking Jesus to save me and forgive me of my sins. I'm asking for his payment for sins to be applied to my account and the Bible says if you do that, you can be saved or you can pay for your own sins. The way that you do that is you die a physical death and after that you die a spiritual death separated from God for all eternity in a place called hell. It's the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone and anyone who says that they can't wait to go to hell doesn't understand what hell really is. Simple as that. Anyone who says, well, I have family members in hell and I want to see them, trust me, they do not want you to come there. Read Luke chapter 16. They are praying that you would not come there. 
But you have to make a decision. Will you allow Jesus to pay for your sins or are you gonna pay on your own? And if you choose to let Jesus pay for your sins, you have to turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Doesn't mean you're gonna live a perfectly sinless life. It doesn't mean that you'll never go back to bad habits or things you did before. It means that I am sorry for what I've done and I truly want to change. The Bible word for that is repentance. And if you believe that Jesus Christ can save you from your sins and you would turn to him in repentance as your response to the gospel, the Bible says you can be saved. Not saved for today, but saved for all of eternity. Not saved one time until you mess up again, but saved forever. You are a child of wrath and disobedience, a child of the devil before you knew Jesus, but when you know Jesus, you are saved and adopted into God's family. You are his child. Question, do you know for sure that you're saved? I'm not talking about did you go to, to Sunday school one time and somebody leads you in a prayer that you don't really remember what it was. I'm not asking if you believe in God today. The Bible says in the book of James that the devils believe in God and they tremble at who he is. I'm not asking if you consider yourself a religious person. I'm not asking if you've ever had a spiritual experience. I'm not asking if you've ever uh, heard from angels. I'm asking, have you been saved? Another Bible word for that is born again. The Bible says no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You know who said that? Jesus himself. So Jesus says you're not getting to heaven unless you're born again, unless you're saved. Jesus says he's the only way to heaven. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're counting on a way to heaven other than Jesus, friend, you're lost. Lost, and you need to be saved. If you're not saved today, would you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Would you stop trying to do it your own way and completely and turn, totally turn your life over to him and say, God, I repent of my sin. I turn from it. I leave it behind. I'm trusting Jesus and Jesus alone for my eternity. Best decision you'll ever make in your entire life. I was a nine-year-old boy when I put my faith and trust in Jesus. I haven't lived a perfect life since I was nine. I've sinned. I have rebelled against God. I've gone my own way. I've strayed away. But God has never given up on me. And I'm still saved today because of a commitment that I made when I was nine years old. I'll be saved 20 years from now because of a commitment that I made when I was nine years old. And when I stand before God one day, he'll say, welcome home, son, because of a commitment that I made when I was nine years old. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. And that's why for us at Hui College, this drives everything that we do. If every person will spend eternity either in heaven or hell, we wanna help people get to heaven. If I'm going to heaven, I want to take as many people with me as I can. And I would hate to stand before God one day, empty-handed, not having done anything with the best news in the entire world. I want to be faithful with the gospel. It's a big deal. Some statistics, some are fairly alarming. Only one person in the United States has reached for Christ for every 85 church members in America. One to 85 Imagine what would happen if, I don't know, 25% of us here this morning brought someone to Christ this year. That would beat the numbers by considerable. But if we think about it this way, if a church of 850 people only brings 10 people to Christ, the question is, what are we doing? If we're not seeing people saved, baptized, added to Jesus' church and being taught the Bible, what are we really doing? We're not trying to, to entertain you on Sundays. We're not trying to give you a cool place to hang out with really hip folks. You'll never see this pastor wearing skinny, bedazzled jeans ever. And if you do, please pull me aside and put your arm around me and say, Pastor, I love you too much to allow you to dress like that. 
If I start shopping at Hot Topic, somebody stop me, okay? I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not trying to be hip. I'm not trying to, 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 this, not trying to make this a cool place for you to come. This is Jesus' church. And every single Sunday we talk about Jesus and what he's done for us and how it changes our lives forever. That's what we do. This is a mission of our church. It's a big deal for us. And if only one person's reached for every 85 church members in America, it's sad. But here's an encouraging statistic that was found through this evangelism study. Most people come to church because of a personal invitation. Having someone invite them to church makes a huge difference in folks, whether or not they'll come. How many of you here, just by, by show of hands this morning, you came to who we call it because somebody invited you? Raise your hands. That was you. That's awesome. How many of you came to who we call it because you found us online? That's awesome. How many of you came to who we call it because you drove past and saw it? Cool. How many of you still have no idea why you're here? <laughs> Over two. Isn't that interesting? You know what I've found is that when sometimes when folks find us online, they'll stay around for a bit and stuff like that. But usually I find that when someone invites them and they see the same person that they know every single week, week after week, they begin to feel a part of something and they feel connected to something. And so I'm telling you, don't, don't discount a personal invitation. And again, we give you invitations every single week. Angela and I traveled the United States before we started Who We Call It, raising financial and and prayer support before we started this church and we were in almost 100 churches in 12 months and the majority of churches that we went to had no invitations to their church i said hey man i met a guy uh at the uh whataburger up the street oh whataburger um i met a guy at the whataburger up the street i was gonna give an invite to church do you have one and they go oh yeah we don't really have invitations to church oh okay um do you have a church website well, we have a Facebook page, but it's not very good. So you have no website, you have no printed materials with your church information on it. Right. How are we supposed to share our faith with people? Uh, so we try everything we can. We're trying to get better on our social media. We have a good website. Uh, we have some good printed materials. We try to give you tools that you have to point people to Jesus's church. And most people are just waiting for somebody to invite them. Seven out of 10 unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole life. 70% of people that don't go to church, nobody's ever asked them. And I found that if you're willing to ask, a lot of people are willing to go. And here's the thing, uh, Easter services are six weeks away, seven weeks away, something like that. And here's the thing, people on Christmas and Easter are looking for somewhere to go. I know where you can go. Would you come with me? Would you be my guest? All it takes is a personal invite. 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if somebody asks him, 82% of people. And he says, well, I think I'm finding the 18% that aren't willing. Good, then keep looking for the 82 that are. Seriously. Statistics like that are crazy to me that people, if a friend asked them, would just come. One study, uh, including more than 15,000 adults, revealed that about two-thirds are willing to receive information about a local church from a family member. So 66% are willing to hear it from a family member. 56% are willing to hear it from a friend or a neighbor. The, the message is clear. People are willing to hear about Jesus if we're willing to talk about him. Now, I get it. Sometimes people don't want to talk about politics. They don't want to talk about religion. Uh, I get it. I'm just saying I'm going to put some information out there and find out if people are interested or not. If you're not interested, that's fine. And let me help you with something too. Sharing your faith doesn't mean that you have to be the Christian weirdo. 
Have you ever met a Christian weirdo before? It's just things like that. It's just like, ooh, I don't want to be like that guy. Like, do I have to put, you know, 65 bumper stickers all over my car to be a Christian and share my faith? No, you don't have to. And please, if you don't drive like a Christian, don't put a Huey Collins sticker on your church, your car for sure, you know? You don't have to wear, you know, uh, goofy Christian T-shirts to share your faith. Uh, I, I... I'm just going to say this. I have a major pet peeve with the, the goofy Christian T-shirt, you know, the one that looks like uh, Budweiser, but it's, it's Jesus Christ and uh, spiked through his hand says, this blood's for you. And it's just like, that just doesn't make Jesus look good. It's cheesy. It's corny. It doesn't make Christians look good. Just don't do it. And if you have one of those shirts, I'm not against you. I'm for you. I just want to help you with your wardrobe choices. Um, <laughs> but I'm saying you don't have to be awkward. You don't have to make it awkward. Something as simple as like, hey, uh, we're having an event coming up at our church on Easter Sunday. I'd love for you to be my guest. Yeah, I'm not really interested in that. Okay, no sweat. Hey, would you take one of these and, and, and read it whenever you get a chance? Most important thing you'll ever read in your life. Sure. I, I've gone to the gym before and left a stack of invites, a stack of 10 invites on the table and came back the next day and like five of them were gone. How about that? I met somebody at church one time. I said, hey, how did you hear about our church? I found a flyer at the gym. Awesome. I'm talking about just being faithful. I'm talking about just putting the information out there and whoever wants to receive it can receive it. We're not trying to force people into anything. We're not trying to corner somebody or trick anybody into anything. We're just trying to share truth with folks. Now, if we go back to Mark chapter two, that's kind of the introduction for each month. That's what we're all about. If we look at Mark chapter two this morning, we see that uh, in verse number, um, let's see here, verse number 15. It came to pass that Jesus sat at meat in his house, in, in Matthew's house, many of the sinners and publicans, publicans and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. We need to understand first and foremost that Jesus came to save sinners. That's the whole reason that he came. I'm thankful that Jesus came and taught us a lot about life. I'm thankful that Jesus gave us a pattern to follow of what it means to, to live like God, live like Jesus Christ and to live a godly life. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for all the helpful things that Jesus said and things like that. But Jesus' primary reason for coming was not to be a good teacher or to leave a good example, although he did those things. His primary reason for coming was to save sinners. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, but God commendeth his love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to save sinners. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus came to save sinners. I'm entitled to, to today's message, Magnifying Jesus by Looking for Sinners. I'm not talking about looking for people who live a terrible life or looking for the worst people that you know or people with reprehensible behavior. I'm talking about looking for people that need Jesus. And who needs Jesus? Everybody. And you know what Jesus did? He came to save sinners. That's the whole reason that he came. But here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus intentionally sought people who needed him. Take a look at verse number 14. Actually, look at verse number 13. He went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And while he was going to teach, verse 14, as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, follow me. 
and he arose and followed him. He went a certain way because he knew that he would see Matthew there and he says, follow me, and, and he followed him. And then Matthew took him to his house, verse number 15, and it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in his house. Many publicans and sinners also together with Jesus and his disciples. He intentionally sought people who needed him. You know what, who we call it? I'm thankful for everybody who comes to our church because they saw a sign out on the, uh, the sidewalk. I'm thankful for everybody who uh, came to our church because they saw something on the website or saw on social media or things like that. I'm thankful for that. But I'm thankful that we're a church that doesn't wait for people to come to us. We're out trying to find people to bring to Jesus. That's the difference. We're not just uh, putting our name on a shingle out front of the building and hoping people show up. No, 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 no. We go and find people that need Jesus. Jesus didn't sit around with his arms folded and go, well, people know where to find me if they're looking for me. We don't just sit around with our arms folded and go, well, it says church outside. I mean, what do you want? You know, no, no, no. We're going to find people that need Jesus. Every single time I go to the gym, I'm looking for people that need to know Jesus, and it's almost everybody that I, go, that I work out with. And you know what? I'm trying to develop relationships with them for the purpose of getting them to Jesus. And I've already got two people that I've got in mind for reach month that I want to try to get with from my gym that need to know Jesus. And I'm working on them. I've been praying for them, trying to set up a time where we can get together and have that conversation. But I want to be on the lookout for people that need Jesus. I don't want to just hope that they'll come. Well, people know I'm a pastor, so hopefully they'll show up. No, no, no. I'm going to ask somebody directly, hey, would you be my guest in church Hey, we could go grab lunch afterwards after the church service if you want to, but I want you to come be my guest. I mean, I'll be up on the platform talking, but I'll have somebody sit with you so you don't feel awkward. I'm talking about going out and finding people. That's what Jesus did. So we don't take a come and see approach here. We go out and look for people that need Jesus. The thing I love about Jesus is he wasn't looking for people that were like himself. He wasn't looking for people who had it all together. He wasn't looking for the religious crowd. He wasn't looking for the low-hanging fruit. He went probably to the rougher parts, hung out with the rougher people. Tax collectors weren't people that were uh, uh, held in high esteem in that day. They would actually take the portion of the money that you had, and they would give it to the Roman government. So you're actually taking money from Jews and giving it to the people who are oppressing them. That makes them automatically unpopular. Secondly, they would always take a commission for themselves and skim off the top, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. So these were the shadiest people known to men. And Jesus said to, to Matthew, who sat there taking taxes for the Roman government, he says, hey man, follow me. And he did. Jesus wasn't looking for people like himself. He wasn't looking for Jewish males in their mid-30s who grew up in a, you know, a house that, that followed God. He wasn't looking for that. He was looking for people that needed him. Jesus also wasn't looking for a group of people that he was comfortable with. He wasn't looking for a certain demographic. He wasn't looking for a certain age or a certain ethnicity or anything like that. He was looking for people that needed him. We find Jesus talking to the woman at the well. He sits down with her and he says, hey, can I have something to drink? And she says, wait, 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 wait. You're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You shouldn't even be talking to me. And she came to the well in the middle of the day so that she wouldn't have to talk to anybody because her life was a wreck. But you know what Jesus did? He says, hey, if you knew who asked you for a drink of water, you'd be asking me for the water that'll never run dry. And she says, hey, I wanna know more about that. Good, let's talk about it. Jesus went places he shouldn't have go, gone, talking to people that he, that he shouldn't, by culture, by nature, should have gone to, but these are the people that he wanted to spend time with because these are the people that needed him. And so we have to look for people, not the people that we're comfortable with, 
We have to t- sometimes spend pe- time with people that we might be uncomfortable with on the surface because they need Jesus. I'm not looking for people who are like me. I'm not looking for uh, white guys in their early 40s that are slightly overweight uh, but have kind of the dad bod look going on. Uh, who, I'm not looking for guys with beards. Uh, I'm not looking for, for these type of people that I can talk to. I'm looking for everybody that needs Jesus. Now, if I find some single lady that needs Jesus, I'm not gonna spend time with her. I'm gonna get my wife to spend time with her. I'm gonna get another lady in our church to spend time with her. Or maybe I'm gonna to take my, me and my wife could take her out to lunch or something like that to spend time with her to talk about Jesus. But I'm looking for everybody who needs to know Jesus. I'm not just looking for people that I'm comfortable with. Here do we call in the history of our church. We've never had like a, a, a ministry split out by ethnicity or by uh, jobs or stuff like that. We've never had a, a military Bible study or military wives Bible study. We've never had a Filipino fellowship or anything like that. You know why? Because everybody needs Jesus and we're all on the same team. We're just a big family here. Doesn't matter what your church background is. Doesn't matter what you do for work. Doesn't matter how much money you got or what type of house you have or if you don't have a house. It doesn't matter any of those things. We're all family. We are all the body of Christ and Jesus is looking for everyone to know him. Everybody. Jesus didn't, in this case here, the uh, Pharisees had a problem. If you take a look at verse number 16, and the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, and they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? I've seen people use this passage before in a selfish way. And what they'll say is like, hey, go out and have a few beers with the guys after work because Jesus had, uh, had dinner with publicans and sinners, and so I'm kind of doing that. Hey, I go with the guys, and, you know, on deployment and stuff like that, you know, uh, we go to strip clubs and stuff like that, but I don't look. I just go and hang out with them because Jesus hung out with publicans and sinners. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The guys that I go and hang out with, you know, we go to clubs and stuff like that, and they're talking to other girls, but I'm not because I'm married or I'm trying to do the right thing or I'm trying to walk with Jesus, and I just get a glass of orange juice and I drink that over in the corner, and I don't talk to anybody but because Jesus hung out with publicans and sinners. Nope, 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 nope. Totally misapplied the passage of Scripture. In this case here, we see Jesus never condemned their sin, but he also didn't condone it either. That's critical here. Jesus didn't partake in their sin Jesus didn't go to a sinful venue where the, everything that was going on there was sinful. Jesus didn't pat him on the head and say, it's okay if you want to get totally, completely trashed. No, no, no. He didn't condone their sin, but at the same time, he didn't condemn it. You and I don't have the power to condemn anybody for their sin. We do have the opportunity to share truth with people. I want to tell people, if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you stand in danger of God's wrath and judgment. And according to the Bible, if you do not put your faith and trust in Jesus, you'll die and spend eternity in hell. I want you to get that. Sometimes people say, well, you can't tell me that I'm going to hell. Who are you to judge? I did not judge you. The Bible's judged you. I'm just telling you what it says. Sometimes people say, only God can judge me. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. That should terrify you that God can judge you. That's not a hands on your hip statement. Only God can judge me. Yeah, he's already told us how he's going to judge you, and it's not looking good for you at all. It's really bad. God's already given us his grading score sheet as far as what it's gonna take for you to get to heaven. And it's not a bunch of things you can check off and say that you're done. It's one thing, faith in Jesus that will save you. That's it. And so Jesus didn't get together with a bunch of people who were in rampant, terrible sin for the purpose of enjoying their sin or partaking in sinful behavior 
or saying that, oh, it's okay, they need Jesus, that's why I'm here. No, 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 they need you to live a holy, righteous life that points people to Jesus is what they need. Next, we see that Jesus spent time with people who needed him. Of verse number 17, when Jesus had heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need for a physician, but they that are sick, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's that word repentance again. You know what I love about Jesus? You can tell that through this passage, he truly cared for these people. I've met people before who see sharing their faith as kind of like a, a sales gimmick that they've got to do. I'm gonna give somebody a pitch and uh, in the back of my New Testament, if somebody prays the prayer, I'm gonna put a notch in the back of my New Testament. That's not the spirit at all. Jesus loved these people. That's why he spent time with them. Jesus loved these people. That's why he wanted to get truth to them. These guys that I go to the gym with, I love these guys. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm compelled, I'm burdened that these guys don't know Jesus. It bothers me because I care about them. Jesus truly loved these people. He cared about them. He was invested in their life. Jesus was motivated by truth. I'm sorry, first of all, motivated by love. He loved these people and that's why he wanted to share truth. Had Jesus been motivated only by righteousness, he would have went in there and told everybody what was what and what, what they were doing was wrong and, and he would have cleaned house with them, giving it up. No, he didn't do that. He went in there, he spent time with them, he sat down with them, he enjoyed a meal with them, he got to know them, he heard their story, he found out where they're coming from so that he could find where he's trying to lead them to. And I'm telling you this, the whole idea with Reach Month is relationship, relationship, relationship. Again, I can sit down with somebody in five minutes, say, God loves you so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. Every single one of us has sinned. The payment of your sin is death and eternity in hell. Jesus came to pay the price for you. If you're willing to, to pray and ask him to save you, you can pray it right now. One, two, three, repeat after me, go. That's not the purpose of each month. The purpose is sitting down and say, hey, so tell me about yourself. Where'd you grow up at? Oh, wow, that's cool. You play sports in high school? What did you do? Oh, you were in band. What did you play? That's so cool. Were you in marching band or concert band? Oh, that's awesome. How'd you wind up in Hawaii? Oh, no way. That's fascinating. That is so cool. How did you wind up working at where you're working right now? Did you always want to do that or did you just kind of fall into it? Do you see yourself doing that long term? Is that like a career for you? What do you like to do in your spare time? What, what, do, you, uh, what do you enjoy doing for recreation? Is there any TV shows that you're watching right now that I don't know about that I should totally be watching? What are you passionate about? What gets you fired up? What gets you out of bed in the morning going, oh yeah, this is gonna be awesome. What is that for you? Did you grow up going to church? I mean, do you have like a church background or anything like that? What do you think happens when we die one day? What do you, what do you think about Jesus and who he is? Do you believe in God? What happens after this life? Where do you think we go? Who makes the determination of who goes where? Hmm. That's interesting. You know, what's fascinating for me, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but the Bible tells us that there's basically two places when you die. One is heaven, one's hell. And one would think logically that you go to heaven if you're good, you go to hell if you're bad, but the Bible says that's not the case at all. The Bible says though everybody does bad, so if it was according to good or bad, everybody would go to hell, which is actually the default. Only those that get to go to heaven are those that have been forgiven. And being forgiven is not about good or bad, not about doing better, it's about faith in Jesus. 
Has there been a time for you where you put your faith in Jesus? If you died today, do you think you'd go to heaven? Would you like me to show you some verses from the Bible how you can know for sure? Oh, that's okay if you don't. I've got a book that I'll give you. If you get a chance to read it, I'm, I'm telling you this will change your life. Uh, it tells you how you can know for sure when you die, you're on your way to heaven. It kind of explains what we talked about just in a lot more detail, but it's simple enough you could probably read it in one sitting. I want to give you this book as a gift. I'm going to write my number in the front. If you have questions, I want you to ask me. But, uh, man, I really enjoyed talking with you. Relationship. Not a sales pitch. I'm not trying to coerce somebody into something. I'm not trying to scare somebody into something. I'm not trying to say, if you don't pray this prayer today, you're going to hell. Do you really want to go to hell? It's hot. You're going to burn forever, and it's going to be really bad. All you do is say this prayer, and we can be on our way. Come on. One, two, three. Repeat after me. That's not the gospel. That's not saving anybody. That's terrible Christian behavior who gives someone false hope in something that really isn't the case. It's terrible. But Jesus, he was motivated by love for these people. It was all about a relationship with him. The woman at the well, he didn't sit down and scorn her for her adulterous lifestyle. You know what he said? Hey, can I have something to drink? He wanted a relationship with her. He was motivated by love, but also Jesus was motivated by truth. I love John chapter one, verse number 14. And the word being Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten son of God full of, this is beautiful, grace and truth. Jesus was the perfect balance of grace and truth. Grace means unmerited, undeserved favor, but he wasn't willing to compromise the truth. He wasn't gonna say, oh, you're a sinner, that's okay, we're all sinners, don't worry about it, it's not that big of a deal. No, 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 he said, because of your sin, you'll perish. But if you put your faith in the Son of God, you'll never perish, you'll have eternal life. We have to be motivated by love, and we have to be motivated by truth. I love you too much to allow you to go to hell without being warned. If your neighbor's house was on fire, and you looked out the window and you saw that their house was burning, and you closed the curtains and you sat back down on the couch and started flipping channels. You'd say, what's wrong with you? That would be almost criminal, right? But you look out the curtain and you see your neighbor doesn't know Jesus. And you shut the curtains and you sit back down and keep flipping channels. That's terrifying. And again, I, I can't force my neighbors to believe something, but I can share with them Hey, if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for truth, if you're looking for eternal life, here it is, and his name's Jesus. Do with it what you want. Well, I'm not really interested in that. Okay, if you ever have questions, let me know. That's it. I've done my part, did my job. I'm gonna continue to pray and allow God to do the rest. I have to be motivated by love, but I have to be motivated by the truth. While Christian fellowship is important, we must also be looking for and spending time with people that need Jesus. I want to encourage you to create yourself a stable of Christian friends that you can call on anytime you need. I want to encourage you to spend time with good Christian fellowship, maybe uh, grabbing coffee on a Wednesday night after Connect Groups, maybe grabbing ice cream on a Friday night together, maybe taking the kids to play at the park together on a Tuesday morning. You need Christian friends around you. Please understand you need that, you need that, you need that. But at some point, we've got to spend time with people that don't yet know Jesus. Met a couple in our church several years ago. They were really kind of getting this idea of sharing their faith with people and they were getting fired up about it uh, and things like that. And uh, he was in the Marine Corps. And he said, um, he came in and said, Pastor, I got a 
got a question. I said, okay. He says, there's a, a girl that I work with who's not saved. Okay? And he says, but she's in a relationship with another girl. Okay? He goes, would it be okay for us to have them over to our house and like have dinner and try to get to know them and talk to them about the Lord? Would that be okay? <laughs> yes. Hello. And he's just like, I just want, I just want to make sure. I didn't, I didn't know like where the line is for that. No, 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 no. We need to spend time with sinners that need to know Jesus. And if someone is wrong, not according to what you and I think, but what the Bible says, if someone's wrong, the only hope that they'll have for making it right is knowing what the Bible says. Absolutely. And you should find anybody else you know that, that, that you work with that doesn't know Jesus and have them over to your house as well. And you might have a couple who is living together. They're not married. Great, have them in your home. You might have somebody who's an alcoholic. Great, have them in your home. You might have somebody who uh, doesn't believe in God. Atheist. Great, have them in your home. Spend time with sinners. It's exactly what Jesus did. And while we need good Christian friendship and good Christian fellowship, at some point, I've got to find people that don't know Jesus and bring them to Jesus. But that takes time and investment, and I've got to be willing to make the investment. Final thoughts here this morning. First of all, salvation is available to all who repent and believe. Tax collectors, prostitutes, doesn't matter. Alcoholics, yep, they can be saved. Anyone can be saved. I grew up as a basketball fan, and uh, I loved, loved, loved uh, the Chicago Bulls when I was in high school. I think everybody loved the Chicago Bulls or they loved the Lakers. Uh, and so uh, later, later in my years, I would abandon the Bulls to go to the Lakers. Uh, but uh, man, back in high school, everybody loved the Bulls, man. It was, it was something else. Talking about early 90s, mid 90s, prime time. And um, I remember when we got Dennis Rodman. And that was when Dennis Rodman was first going through his first crazy phase. He's gone through about a dozen of them since. But uh, he was played for the Detroit, Detroit Pistons, was part of the Bad Boys. And, man, he was a guy who would just throw elbows and throw fists and did not care. I mean, just tough, tough dude. He comes to the uh, uh, the Bulls, mind you, early 90s, gets covered in tattoos, and is just like, what? Dyes his hair blonde. What? Wears a wedding dress. What? Like, this, like, off the rails crazy. And I... I loved watching the guy play ball, though. I mean, not the most skilled guy on the court, but the hustlingest guy you'll ever meet in your entire life. And I, I read an article years later about the Dennis Rodman and his uh, proclivity to study the ball trajectory so he could get the most rebounds. It was a fascinating article about a guy who just wasn't the most talented guy, but you couldn't out-hustle him. I love that about him. It's always in, enjoyed watching Dennis Rodman play ball. And uh, I met an evangelist friend that, uh, probably, man, probably almost 20 years ago at this point, and we were talking, and uh, he said, um, on my prayer list once a week, I have a list of people that I'm praying that'll get saved. And I said, oh, man, that's great. And he said, uh, some of them are people I know, some of them are people that I hope I get to run into one day. That's cool. He said, uh, on Thursdays, I pray that Dennis Rodman will get saved. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. He showed me his prayer list, Dennis Rodman. You're praying that Dennis Rodman, like, like Dennis Rodman, the worm from the bulls, from the, the pistons, you're praying he's going to get saved. He goes, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because he needs to be saved. Oh. Well, I guess it's not so funny after all, is it? 
And I thought to myself, could God save a guy like Dennis Rodman? Yeah. God saved a guy like Anthony King? What, do I think I'm better than him in some way? Do I think that, that I was more redeemable than he was redeemable? No, no, God can save anybody. And I remember when we came back to, to Honolulu, things had gotten considerably worse in, in town as far as uh, the types of behavior you see taking place. I mean, uh, I'd never, when we lived here before, I'd never seen, you know, drug deals taking place out in the open, cars pulling up, people passing baggies into bags, into, into cars and them driving off. I'd never seen as much open prostitution as I have, have seen in the years past. Angel and I were uh, in Waikiki a few weeks ago, and these girls were walking. I mean, they were walking the circuit, man. You see them every 15 minutes walking around in a circle, walking around in a circle, uh, trying to talk to guys and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, this is terrible. And probably, I'd say about six or seven years ago, I looked at stuff like that and go, this is disgusting. This is pathetic. This is awful. But you know what I realize now? These people need to be saved. I've seen pimps in Waikiki with girls. I think to myself, man, that pimp needs to be saved. It's only hope that he has. Those girls, they need to be saved. It's only hope that they have is Jesus. But you know what I do? I look at the people that are driving by in the nice, you know, Range Rover, Land Rovers. There's a guy who has like a monster green Lamborghini that he drives around here every now and then. And I look at people like that, you know what I think? They need to be saved. I'm not saying that they're not saved because they drive a nice car. I'm just saying they need to be saved too. People who live across our street, they need to be saved. People who live over in Kalihi, they need to be saved. Folks who live over in Kailua, they need to be saved. Everybody needs to be saved. Well, who could be saved? Anybody. That's the beauty of the gospel. Salvation is available to all who repent and believe. And no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. Nobody. Again, Jesus didn't go for the low-hanging fruit of the, uh, maybe the religious folks who really just needed to change a few things on the way they did things. No, 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 he went for the rotten crowd that probably nobody would have gone to. He went to the people who, people looked at that and go, wait a minute, why is Jesus having lunch with them again? Those are the people that he looked for. There's no sin that's too great that it cannot be forgiven. I love the beauty of Romans chapter five where it says, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. There's nothing we can do to out the grace of God. God's grace will always cover our sin, and there's nothing you, I, or anyone else could ever do that it cannot be forgiven by the grace of God. Anyone can be saved. And Jesus' love and grace transcends barriers created by society. Jesus' love and grace transcend barriers are created by society. You know, I had folks tell our family when we came back to Honolulu to start Huikala, you can't pastor a church in, in, in town. You're too white. Local people would never come to a church where they got a white pastor. They never do it. Well, okay, we'll try it anyways. Oh, you can't go there because, you know, uh, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough uh, status to, to, to live there. You don't have the finances necessary. Well, we'll just go anyways. And... The beauty of God is that he doesn't see race. There's one race, the human race. The beauty of God is God doesn't see socioeconomic barriers. God doesn't see people as rich or poor. God doesn't see people as good or bad. He sees people as people, and he sent his son to die for people. And you and I have been called to reach people. Not a category of people we feel comfortable with, not a group of people that are, that are in our demographic, not a, people, a group of people that uh, meet a socioeconomic standard. Everybody needs 
Jesus. Everybody. I'm not saying that some people might not have an opportunity to reach other people that, that are, maybe they share commonalities with. You know, maybe I could talk with a guy about, uh, you know, basketball more than somebody else could or maybe somebody uh, grew up in a town that somebody else did and they have more co- in common than that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I'm not looking for people that meet a certain criteria. I'm looking for people that need Jesus because that's what Jesus did. And his love and grace breaks down every barrier that we have because he came to die for everyone. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. Church is not created for God's people to come once a week and hang out, relax, kick our feet up, sing a few songs, be entertained, go home, try it again next week. Nope. The church of Jesus Christ was empowered by Jesus Christ to go, win, baptize, teach, and to change the world with the message of the gospel. That's why we're here. We've created a place where we can be empowered, where we can be taught, where we can be deputized to go out and get the work done. This is not a, please understand, this is not a place for you just to come hang out on the weekends. This is a family, community, that has been empowered to carry out the most important mission in the world, helping sinners come to repentance in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this, the most fulfilling, satisfying, gratifying thing you will ever do in your time on planet Earth is to bring somebody to Jesus and see them saved. And it will it'll light your fire like nothing you've ever had before. It will get you excited because you'll remember, I remember when I put my faith in Jesus and I remember the change that it brought about in my life and to see it take place for another person. Every time somebody comes to who we call and they accept Christ as Savior, I always tell them the same thing. Hey, you don't realize it right now, but your life has changed forever. And you're now a child of God and the rest of your life has to be committed to learning what it means to be a good child of God. But everything from here on out, totally different. And man, I wish I could say that everybody that gets saved at Huikala continues on an upward trajectory and is doing the right thing and is on the right track. Not always the case. But I'm thankful for the folks who have come here, found Christ, put their roots down and say, hey, I want to help reach other people. It's so exciting to see someone who's accepted Christ as Savior bring a friend to church. That's huge. Because they say, hey, look what I found. I found something that changed my life and I want you to have the opportunity for it to change your life too. Reach month, spending time with another person for the explicit purpose of sharing the gospel. Who is it for you? There's somebody you know that needs Jesus. They just need some of your time. You don't have to have a polished script. You don't have to know everything there is to know about the Bible. Sometimes people say, I don't want to share my faith because I'm afraid that maybe I won't have the answers for the questions that they ask. Just tell your story then. Hey, here's how I got saved. Here's how I accepted Christ as Savior. I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's all. really all I know. That's fine. And, and sometimes people say, well, I don't even want to pass out an invitation to church. Maybe somebody's asked me a question I don't know. You know the majority of questions that people ask when you give them an invitation to church? Where is it? What time do the services start? Where do I park? Do you have something for my kids? I've never 
in six and a half years of inviting people to who we call a Baptist church ever, had someone ask me, could you please explain the seven sealed judgment in the book of Revelation? How does that, how does that differ from the six sealed judgment? I never had anybody asked that before, ever. It's all just really easy questions that you already know the answer to because you're here. Just be faithful with it this week. Again, the goal of Reach Month is not to see how many people can get saved. The goal of Reach Month is for you to find one person, one person that you can share your faith with this week. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, today's the day that you need to be saved. If there's ever been a time in your life where you haven't accepted Christ, please understand you're in danger of God's wrath and judgment, and he sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. Put your faith in him today before you leave. But for those of us that are Christians, this is our month to reach people for the cause of Christ. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.